All right, welcome, welcome. This is episode number 94 of the Bearded Marketers podcast, the only internet marketing podcast that matters. I'm Rob. And I'm Corey. Bringing the latest and greatest every Monday morning in the world of internet marketing. Whatever it is, we're talking about it. News, new features, new strategies, whatever it is that we figure out in that we given more week. more money. Yeah, we bring it to you. Which, by the way, it's been the holidays. There's not much out there. I hate to say it. Nobody's working. There, Get aren't, many, there aren't many new <laughs> tips and strategies to bring you. We're struggling every week. So if you have ideas for topics, shoot them into us, especially this time when it's slow out there in the internet marketing world. All right. To bring you the latest and greatest every week, we like to get in the mood. Some custom cocktails. I don't know, maybe some straight bourbon. Depends on our mood. Oh, yeah. I like to stick to my usual Moscow mule as always. So what are you doing this week? I went back to straight scotch. I think a lot of people are suffering right now. Polar vortex is upon us. So I had to warm myself up a bit. Even in sunny Florida, we had some snow flurries today around town. We were hitting... What was it, mid-30s in the morning? I'm sure a lot of people, smallest violin yeah. <laughs> of sympathy, but, you know, we're feeling it too, so I had to warm myself up. It, it warmed up today. I was wearing a, a t-shirt outside today. I mean, yeah, it was just like, rubbing uh, it in. <laughs> 50s, mid-50s, something like that. It felt pretty good. Anyways, before we get the hate mail, let's go yeah. ahead and hop into the topics. But as Rob said, if you have an idea for the show, a lot of ways you can contact us. Message us on the website. You can reach us on Twitter or give us a call at our crises hotline, 904 270 9603. Let's hop into the topics. So excited for tonight. Number one, Internet Explorer making a comeback. Say what? No one use that anymore. But Rob's going to tell us a little bit of the data that we need to be paying attention to and a new version that's coming out. Moving into some e-commerce tips heading into 2015. We're going to check in with Get Elastic ideas they have on what do you need to be focusing on moving into 2015. Google moving into more industries. We're going to leave that one a little bit vague because... Some people might start crying prematurely because their lives might be over. And wrapping up, it would not be an episode if we didn't check in with our favorite search engine, Google, what's happening in Mountain View. So kicking things off, i.e. what's up in our most hated browser land that is shaking things up that we need to be paying attention to. Yeah. Who the hell uses Internet Explorer anymore? I don't know. Apparently plenty of people though still. These are some latest stats from statcounter.com. They have some recent data. I'm looking at, I guess this starts in October of 2014. The breakdown sort of looked like this. Roughly 35% of users were on Chrome, 28% were on IE, 18% on Safari, and then roughly, I don't know, 15, 14 on Firefox. So that was the sort of breakdown. Come November, those numbers were still kind of similar. But now looking at after December of 2014, the summary of that, we're looking at uh, 40% of users now on Internet Explorer. Chrome has dropped down to 30% of users. And Safari and Firefox have, have lost a little bit of headway as well. So a huge resurgence mm-hmm. in Internet Explorer usage, finally knocking Chrome off of the most popular browser mm-hmm. uh, number one spot. So just wanted to bring that up. I, there's no really implication on that, I don't think, anymore. It's not like the old days of Internet Explorer where everyone using that browser, we couldn't make cool websites thanks to all those jerks. Not really the case anymore. But I did want to ask you to, number one, have you seen a similar trend with some of your websites? I haven't seen much in nope. the same way. So maybe this maybe points to some bad data, maybe from StatCounter. I don't know. That's um, my first off-the-cuff answer. I mean, just looking at this graph in general, I'd love to see it blown out a little bit farther because 10 percentage points does seem to be a huge 
gain for IE, and I don't see any other browsers making those types of moves. A couple of things I'd attribute it to. One, data may be a bit questionable. I know that a lot of people are dissatisfied with Windows 8 and Microsoft, I don't know when they have, but they've released a freely available Windows 10 preview, which you can install. So I don't know how many people are moving to that. I know that the initial read is it's really, really good and mm-hmm. people have been pretty satisfied, which means I don't know if you can install maybe Chrome on versions like that. Maybe that's inflating these numbers. I don't know. But regardless, I think this does point to you just need to be aware of how the market can change radically. We're actually going to go into this a little bit later on where Yahoo was made the search default on Mozilla versus Google, how that affected all the stats as a company. You should be doing your due diligence to make sure that IE is still part of your QA, even though you might be moan using that product. There still are a lot of people out there that do. Microsoft has worked really hard on this latest version. And I think the rumor is that they're actually going to try to move away from Internet Explorer and rebrand it as a different name. I think Spartan or something like that was thrown around as a possibility. Uh, oh. Yeah, that's the code name that's okay. out there right now. Yeah. Gotcha. So and I know one of the biggest things, which I am very happy about, I'm sure you are too, as much more of a hardcore developer than I am, is getting more aligned with WebKit where Safari and Chrome currently sit. And even Firefox is much more closely aligned to that sort of branch of rendering than IE is. Anything to get more consistency between everyone will make all of our lives much better. I agree. I think, I mean, maybe there's uh, some but differences But I'm sorry, I, d- I didn't actually come back to your question. I have not seen like the <laughs> okay. data point to IE having this huge resurgence in any of the sites. That, and I check that pretty frequently and I haven't seen that. Yeah. I mean, so in the comments, this is a, an article on Marketing Land. There's some people maybe hinting at uh, maybe this is the result of some purchasing trends for gifts, laptops True. exploding, uh, Xbox One, I don't know, whatever it is. I find that hard to believe, though, because if most people are getting those on Christmas, you only have a few days to sort of make up all of this ground. That would be a ridiculous sure. increase in yeah. users on that. Um, there was a, there's someone else who's hinting at maybe this is a botnet of some kind. So the other thing, though, is if this is a true trend and Internet Explorer comes out with this new version, you may have a bunch of people on this new version automatically right out of the gates. It'll be interesting to see how it, much it differs from other Internet browsers. Maybe it does maybe drastically change the way that people surf the net. From what I understand, it is supposed to be closer to a Chrome and Firefox, not quite as bloated as the current Internet Explorer is. But we'll see what happens with that stuff. All right, moving on. What else do we want to talk about? E-commerce tips heading into 2015? What's up? So I wanted to circle back if you are in the e-commerce space. I would suggest you subscribe to Get Elastic. Check out what they have. There is a little bit of fluff there, but there are some gems. They do work specifically in the e-commerce space, but I think some of these tips will actually help people that work in all areas of online marketing. So I wanted to call a couple of them out. And this is actually a multi-part series. So I'm going to pull a couple of the relevant tips out of the latest posting, which was actually today. So a couple of the things that I they've pointed out to focus on in 2015, which are relevant, is one, really consider your international customers. And this is going to be widely different depending on the company and what you can do for these customers. I work for a wide range of companies. This is relevant for some and not for others. But for the ones that it is relevant, it is amazing to me at how left out or unconsidered those users are. It's almost 
extra gravy if we get these people to convert, but they get very little attention. And at this point, we have some pretty decent tools out there to really craft the experiences that they need to to be successful, whether that's geo sniffing or, or things like that. So really consider what the experience is for your international customers. First of all, you need to do your data dives to see if it's even worth it. A lot of companies don't even do that step, but you might find that there are certain blocks of international traffic that merit your attention. What are their experiences like and how your UX might potentially change for those type of visitors? Culturally, many companies do things vastly different than we do in Europe or even in the US. And so how does your website need to potentially accommodate those type of visitors, whether that's how things are aligned or, or things of that nature. So take a look there, understand how there's languages work work, how you might need to craft your marketing messages. Sometimes it's not just a direct translation that needs to happen. You need some better context or flowing within the vernacular of the area that you're trying to segment. So take a look into that. One that I'm personally vested into would be really consider A-B testing this year and how you're leveraging it. A couple of things that I think they point out that are well-founded. One is you're testing minutia. What we mean by that is you shouldn't be really testing buttons, shape, sizes, color, things of that nature. I know that there are a ton of case studies out there that tout we changed our button color and got 100% click through. I've worked on the agency side and even behind the scenes at publishing. A lot of those studies are a bit deceiving and the segmentation that goes on to get those types of numbers can really lead you astray. But when you sit down and think about it, just common sense, testing aside, does that really make that much sense? Is button color, as long as your button isn't somewhere hidden, should that really raise the amount that people are clicking at 100% just with a different color? Most people would say no, because you should be doing the job correctly beforehand, so clicking the button just comes naturally. It shouldn't be that much friction. With all of that, Make sure you're not testing just to test. Come up with some testing strategies. I think that's hard for a lot of people because that takes some effort and potentially out of the comfort zone. But you also might have bosses that are like, we want three tests run at all times or four tests out a month. And so you might have to tweak your strategy around that. But really sit down and think, what are the prime lifters on my site? What can I test to actually improve my bottom line? So things like what is our checkout funnel or how do our forms actually structured or what do our landing pages look like? Have we considered the effects that video has or have we really looked at our channel traffic and do our headlines always align with how people are getting to our site? Is there that continuity there? I think there's a lot of things you can test that might be a little more difficult to execute but you'll find more fruits from your testing that will have some long-term benefits. Also, I would say for 2015, if you are testing, focus on getting better at data analysis, learning how to segment your data, looking for those key insights. I'd say a lot of times when I'm running tests, it so happens that I get a gain or I get a loss, but more often than not, there are these secondary learning aspects that I have with the test of, we're seeing this segment perform very interestingly, or we are seeing that this portion of our test seems to be doing well that we didn't really expect. So that then spurs on more testing ideas. So I would say that testing tools are great, you know, whether you use Optimizely or Test and Target or SiteSpect or Maximizer, whoever it is, or Monetate, tools are great, but you really need to get 
fit into data analysis to find those Easter eggs, I guess is what we could say from testing and that not only should you be testing, but testing should be resulting in more test ideas. We saw this really interesting thing that we didn't expect from this small change. How can we leverage that and potentially iterate to get even more either winnings or learn more about our, our customers? So the last thing that I'm going to say, and we're going to only spend a little bit of time here, is rethinking your social strategy. I think you and I have talked quite a bit about the cautions of being too siloed in today's day and age. And I think social definitely falls under that umbrella and making sure that you have a really holistic social strategy. You're engaging your communities, but you're also bouncing off with your different departments, SEO, email, what you're doing so you can bring all that together. So when you're going out to your communities, there is one face, there is one message and you aren't necessarily taking different tactics that might come in conflict with one another, but also that you're sharing the wins. Maybe email is finding a great strategy that could work on social or vice versa. So rethink what you're doing on social and the value that you're putting there, but also make sure that you're working well with your other teams. So social is not this redheaded stepchild doing its own thing. Make sure that you're in this cooperative mode with SEO, PBC, email, and all those people so you have a holistic program. Anyways, that's enough on that. We're going to tweet out the link. There's tons of tips on there. See which ones are relevant for you. But let's move on to Google wrecking people's lives. Rob's going to bring down the bad news for some and the insurance agency, but tell us what's Google getting into now that might make some people a little bit nervous. Latest news are they are getting involved in the car insurance Boom. market. There was some crazy stuff I was seeing online. Self-driving cars, people, people, car insurance. <laughs> people were thinking that they were going to be an actual car insurance company. That's not what's going on here. So apparently in the UK, they've had a Google Compare option for different car insurance quotes and things mm-hmm. like that. And they've had that for a few years now. And I guess it's had pretty good reviews. The US version, I guess, has been a long time in the waiting, right? Like, when is this going to happen? I Google see lobby groups getting in the way of that. Right. I mean, <laughs> Google already has stuff like credit card options, mm-hmm. mortgages, Flights. Uh, banking accounts, things like that. I mean, there's uh, travel, obviously. Mm-hmm. So this is just the next step of Google getting involved in these markets. And some of these times that Google does this stuff, it's not successful. Hell, let's right. look at um, Google Shopping was... Mm-hmm. Uh, heavily pushed and then bombed pretty bad. It Come seems back. like eventually they do sort of figure it out. Right. Sure. Yeah. Cause it's coming back now, not necessarily in the same way and not mm-hmm. necessarily called that, but definitely pulling in product listings into search results. Sure. You could very easily see Google doing something like that. If you aren't, if you're in the car insurance market as a provider or as an affiliate, this is something you need to be paying attention to. But I think it also points to the larger trend of look, eventually one day, the five-year plan for a lot of internet marketers out there is that maybe what you're offering or the value you have right now is going to be eclipsed by a Google who's going to come in and take those, I don't know, those two or three things that you do well and do them way better in a much more usable way for people and knock you completely out of the out of the well, market. Well, not even, that first part doesn't even have to be true. I mean, yeah. they control the channel. So mm-hmm. even if they do it worse, because they control the traffic, they can just usurp you and the results or push their product more with more eyes and completely derail all the work that you've done, even though you might have a more solid product. Right. The fact of the matter is you have to get it in front of people still. Mm-hmm. And because Google controls that, that aspect, they can completely railroad you. That leads into, I'm very interested to see what Google strategy is tiptoeing around antitrust. The thing is, Google is a great search engine. We 
become accustomed to using it. I think when they start going into these forays of controlling or getting into car insurance and things like that, I believe that people start to have a stronger case of you might be controlling too much of what happens on the internet and you're starting to get into more of these industries and potentially disrupting and having just exerted control over things. So I know Google has some very smart people, but if I were them, even though there's probably a lot of money left on the table, I think I'd be selective on how much I'd go down this route without drawing the eyes of too much regulation. Luckily, the U.S. has been pretty hands-off on them, but I think the more you start to stir the pots in these different industries, I think you do draw the eyes of people that get a little concerned that now Google can push their car insurance comparison. They can potentially manipulate how people are ranking flights. Now, all this might be tinfoil haddish, which I would completely agree with, but I think you do a service not necessarily making your case strong when you keep going down these roads. So I wonder if Google is consciously just picking a couple to not draw the ire of too much regulation, but that would be what I'd be concerned with from their front. Well, I think the problem with that is I think ultimately we're moving towards these types of solutions that Google are, are coming up with. Well, and I mean, maybe users come to expect that too. For, for plenty of industries, I can see, again, very easily in five, maybe 10 years, if regulations get in the way and things like that, these you know websites where you compare flights, all that shit's gone. Like I, We don't need that. That's a waste of time. The market should be much more efficient than that. I should just be able to talk to my iPhone or my Android phone and Mm -hmm. say, I need a flight from here to here. And it just pulls it up. And those are results from Google or wherever. I don't need all these intermediaries, Expedia's, all these guys competing and trying to get cuts. We just get rid of all that. Like Mm -hmm. we don't need that anymore. Right. And so I think there's a lot of industries where ultimately what started out as being very valuable, the web Mm -hmm. and these internet websites, I mean, are going to go by the fall by the wayside. You're not valuable anymore. You're Mm -hmm. actually making it a worse experience for everyone kind of involved. I almost kind of ran into a similar thing recently when I bought my car. It's almost that the dealership got in the way. Like I know what I want. I'm buying a new car. This is exactly what I want. Why can't I just talk to Subaru directly, a Tesla type setup and just deliver the car to my house? I mean, granted, I'm in a very special situation where I'm buying a a brand new car and I know exactly what I want. But Mm -hmm. I do think that that is a cultural shift that Google is going to be on the bleeding edge of. But I do wonder if it's going to stir up a hornet's nest at some point where we do have to grapple with how much control out there is with one company of so much commerce. I think for guys like us in the industry, it's hard to see that. I just can't see us five years from now still using Expedia or mm-hmm. or some of these other travel sites. I, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand why there needs to be six different sites where I get restaurant reviews. There should mm-hmm. just kind of be one. And yes, that's granting a lot of power to one company, but the web as it is for certain industries is too inefficient and it's going to disappear at some point. It's just a matter of when. And then it's going to be a matter of who does it go to? And does it go to Google or, you know, how does that company or how do we grant a company or organization that much power uh, over our day-to-day lives and, and what we buy and all that sort of stuff? It's going to be really interesting to see. That we got sort of philosophical there. <laughs> but I think that's where the web truly is going for a lot of... All right, well, let's move on to Google Corner and wrap up this episode. A couple of things I wanted to talk about. One, as we mentioned, I think in a previous segment, Yahoo has become the default search provider on Firefox. I think that was in November or something. It was 
maybe even farther back than that. It was in their new 34 release. Anyways, there was a lot of buzz in the industry. How much is this going to shake up things in Google? Because Firefox does have a decent user base. It's much more than just a blip on the radar for a lot of sites. As usage stats have come out, what's been interesting to note is Yahoo picked up a huge margin of users the first month it launched. But you can see actually in the trend line that Google has already recovered a lot of those users. Without wow. necessarily Mozilla marketing that out as an option, people are already going into the settings and deselecting Yahoo as a default search provider, which brings up a couple of questions. One, is that because Yahoo is worse? Or is that just because people have been accustomed to Google and there is a hesitancy to switch? Or is it just because quality? We're using you as a search provider because I maybe didn't even know. But these are so bad. Oh, and this isn't Google. I need to go back. So it's a very interesting read. We're going to tweet out a link. But there is some fascinating data out there at how users, even without prompting, are coming back to what is familiar. Even mm -hmm. when Mozilla has taken the decision to move to Yahoo, its users are not going along with that. Now, there is still some stickiness happening for sure, um, but it is quite interesting to see how much people are now starting to migrate back to Google, even though that's still not the default. So I just wanted to point that out for people that might be following that in the space. Also, if you use AdWords, there are some reporting changes. If you use their reach, statistics, which kind of give you an idea of how many people in your audience are you potentially reaching with a given campaign. That's now moving into campaign tab reporting. So if you do leverage that or you have some scripts that do, just make note of where it's moving to and update accordingly. One thing that we get a lot of questions about clients and people that write us into the show, they like Google Analytics. It can be a little overwhelming, but one thing that bothers them is it's always bugging them about stupid errors on their website. So I did want to make a specific call out Lunametrics. They have a great blog. Sometimes it can get a bit technical, but they have a series on how to fix Google Analytics to where it doesn't bother you about common install problems. I'd highly recommend to read. Again, we're going to tweet out a link, but it could, with a little bit of time investment on your part, help you solve those annoying pop-ups that come in every time you log into GA to get your data and just really clean that up. Because some of their alerts are very valuable and I would hate for people to get those lost in the minutia of just standard notifications that you need to fix anyway. So give that a read. If you use Google Analytics, I think a lot of people could benefit from some of the fixes that they talk about. And you probably have one or more of these occurring in your account as it is. That's going to do it for us on this week's episode. Thank you again so much for your time. If you found it valuable, we'd ask a couple of things. One, that you'd share with a friend, a colleague, or as Rob would like to say, perhaps. Also, Leave us a review on whatever channel you found us on. It helps us grow the show, but know what we might need to change or tweak in the upcoming ones. And I'd like to point out, as Rob mentioned earlier in the episode, we are struggling to find really great content. So if you have a question, maybe you're struggling with something, maybe the boss is yelling at you, you don't know where to turn, or you came across a great article, send it in. We'd love to hear from our listeners. It helps us get the best content to you as possible. That's going to do it for us again on this episode. Thank you again so much, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Yeah.